progress. <clears throat> okay, so we're up to the beginning of the Chafhim at Aleph. We're in the second line. So the Gemara had said that uh, the Mishnah was discussing, the Mishnah was discussing um, if a person makes a neder, and it's an exaggerated nether, it's not considered a good nether. What's an example where it's an exaggerated nether? So if someone says, you know, he, uh, he, he, if he, the bread's usher, unless he sees ka'ole mitzrayim, ka'ole mitzrayim is 600,000 people, he obviously doesn't expect to see 600,000 people, as long as he sees a lot of people, it's a fulfillment of the nether. So the Gemara said, maybe when he said 600,000, he wasn't referring to people, he was talking to ants, he was referring about ants. And then he was being specific, he had to actually see 600,000 ants. So the, the Gemara ended up by saying, that when a person makes a nether, adaita didon mishtov, a person makes another based on the understanding of, of the Rabbanu, of the average person. We don't refer to people as ants. Okay. So the Gemara now is going to have a very long discussion as to whether that's true. That when people make Nadarim, do we go by what they might have thought in their head? Like, you have this one Meshuggah who said that in his mind, other ones. You have one Meshuggah in his mind, he refers to people as ants. So the Gemara says, we don't go by him, we go by the average, you know, what the Rabbanim consider average. So the Gemara says, is that true? That when a person makes a Shavua, we don't ask him what he specifically means, we go by how the average, the Rabbanim understand the average person by using those words. The Gemara says, is that true? A person we don't go with oaths based on the literal words that he used, based on his understanding. We go by the average person's understanding of those words. Vatanya, the Braissa says like this, let's say someone has to make a nether, in, a shvu in Bezdin. He's moide b'mixas, he agrees to half of a debt, so he has to make a shvu in Bezdin. So before he swears, they say, you're not going to make an oath based on some condition in your own mind. You're making an oath based on the understanding of Bezdin. Meaning, Bezdin was afraid that when he would make an oath, he would mean something else, and we're telling him, no, 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 you have to mean what we, what we say you mean. Gemara explains, meaning, what, what, what is Bezdin concerned about that they have to make him say before he swears that he's going to do it al-das Bezdin? So, lafuke, lab lafuke dasik le liskanduri, vasglush mazuzi. The Gemara understands, theorizes that this is the situation. The case is, the guy says he paid half of the debt. So, half of the debt he paid. So he said he paid, let's say the guy says, you owe me $100, he said, I paid back $50. So the Gemara says, we, we make him before he swears, we explain to him that he's making an oath based on our the Bezdin's understanding, not his own, why? Because the Gemara says, perhaps, this is the Gemara's theory, perhaps he said he paid back $50, maybe dollars in his mind is sawdust, or wood chips. He gave the guy wood chips, and in his mind he calls wood chips money. So maybe when he said he paid back half of the debt with money, he meant his version of money. So we tell him, no, you have to make a, a shvua based on the Bezdin's understanding. What do you see? You see that when it comes to general shvuas, we go by the craziness of each individual. And that's why it's Dafke and Bezdin that we tell him, no, 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 you got to go with Aldas Bezdin. But that implies the fact that Bezdin has to clarify and say and stipulate that you're going by our rules, not your rules, implies that generally... A person can make up all crazy. He could say, uh, you know, in his mind, he calls people dogs. So when he says this, he meant that. 
obviously we do go by the individual craziness of each individual uh, person making an oath because if it's taka true that we don't generally do that we go by the average Bezdin's understanding then why do they have to make him specifically verbalize before making a shavua that they're going out to ask Bezdin it should be Pasha so the Gemara says Loi, no the truth is, we never go by a person's crazy interpretation. We don't say that a person calls ants people, and a person, we're not afraid that a person will call wood chips cash. Over there, the case by Bezdin, when we, we tell him that we want you to make an oath, Aldas Bezdin, is not, we're not concerned that he'll come to say something crazy. We're not actually concerned about that. What we're concerned about is the following. I'll say it outside, we'll say it as a, what we're concerned about is a guy saying exactly the truth, but playing a game. What's the following? The following story happened where a person technically did not lie. He technically said the truth, but it was a game. And that's what we're afraid of. We're not afraid of crazy interpretations. We're afraid of the guy playing a game. What's the game? We're afraid of the case of the cane of Rava. There was a court case that involved a cane, a walking stick, and Rava. And what happened? A certain person who owed his friend money. He comes in front of Rava. So, a rubber said to the borrower, the, the lender said to the borrower, you got to pay me money. So Pratika, the borrower said, I already paid you. Now it happens to be it wasn't true, but he said, I already paid you. <coughs> so the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, <coughs> the, so Rava says to the borrower, so make an oath that you paid. So, so what did the guy do? The guy ha- happened to have lied. He didn't pay at the time. Maybe he had money now. <coughs> but he doesn't want to lie under oath. So this is what he does. He takes a cane, hollows it out, and fills it with coins, fills it with money. As he's walking into the case, into the court, he has his cane filled with money. He goes to the lender and he says, hold my cane for me while I swear. So he hands the cane. See, so he technically handed money over to the lender. Nasa Sefetari takes the Sefetari, and he swears that he gave him all the money that he possessed, he gave over to the borrower, to the, to the lender, which is technically true. Now, obviously, it wasn't as a form of payment, and it's a complete game, but he didn't lie. So, so the lender says, swears, the borrower swears that he paid back. When the lender hears this, he got upset and he broke the cane in court and all the money spilled out. And it turns out that he technically told the truth. So when the Bezdin says before he swears that you have to do it, Aldas Bezdin, they're not afraid of him having weird interpretations. They're afraid of him playing a game like this where he's technically telling the truth. But it's the truth, but it's a game. And that's what they're afraid of. But we have no indication that generally when it comes to Shavuos, we go by the individual crazy of each person. Rather, no, you go by the general understanding of Bezdin. So the Gemara says, Vakati, another kasha, is it still true? It's still, you're still standing by this assumption that people do not swear based on the understanding of their own words? Vatanya, the Brisa teaches, V'chein matzinu rabbeinu. We find regarding Moshe Rabbeinu, that before Moshe Rabbeinu, when the Jewish people were in Arvis Moyav, he made them swear. So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted the Jewish people to swear that they'll keep the Torah. And before he did this, he said, I am not having you swear based on my understanding, based on 
your understanding. You're swearing based on the understanding of Hashem and myself, said Moshe. Meaning Moshe Rabbeinu, before he made them swear, he made them clarify that they're going to do this al-das bezdin, al-das Hashem. And the question is, what, what is he concerned about? So, my Amr Yisro, what is Moshe Rabbeinu concerned about? So the Gemara says, Lav is he not concerned about the following situation? He's afraid the Jewish people are going to swear they're going to keep the Torah. But in their mind, the Torah means uh, Legos, right? So they technically, you know, they said they're going to keep the Torah, but how do you know what the Torah is? They'll say, yeah, we, we kept the Torah according to our own words. Meaning they're going to have a crazy interpretation. So therefore Moshe Benin is saying, no, you got to do the Torah the way I want you to keep the Torah. Meaning what is he concerned What's an example? That maybe they said they're going to, they're going to keep the word of God. Maybe they consider idol worship God. Now that's a crazy interpretation. That's obviously not true. And you see that Moshe Rabbeinu had to verbalize, don't do that. So you see that this standard oath, a person, we are concerned that a person, we go by a person's crazy interpretations. So the Gemara says, no, over there it's different. Over there, Hitaka was concerned that they would be swearing allegiance to an idol worship and calling it God. But over there, it's not a crazy interpretation. The Pasuk describes idol worships as the word Eloiha, which means a god. So he says, The Pasuk describes idol worships as as Eloiha, as a god. The Pasuk says, the gods of Egypt. So over there, Moshe Rabbeinu was talking afraid that they would be saying that they're going to swear allegiance to Hashem, but the word Eloiha and mean idol worship. And it's not a crazy interpretation because the Torah itself describes idols as gods. But in general, we don't, we're not concerned that a person will have crazy interpretations. The Gemara says, well, if that's the whole concern, if Moshe Rabbeinu just doesn't want them to swear allegiance to idol worshippers, meaning we thought that it's Moshe's concern that just like they'll reinterpret the entire Torah. The Gemara says, no, no, we don't, we're not concerned that a person will reinterpret in their own words. It's Dafka idol worship because idol worship is called a god in the Torah. So the Gemara says, well, the lishve Then, if that's all you're concerned about, then why didn't Moshe just say instead of saying you have to do it with my understanding, just say they're going to keep the mitzvahs? Mitzvahs mean that that's not a god. The answer is mitzvahs wouldn't be accurate because Masha mitzvahs hamelach mitzvahs technically could just mean commandments. It could be the commandments of the king. It doesn't necessarily imply the commandments of Hashem. It just Commandments can be the commandments of any king. So it's technically, it's not a reinterpretation. It's technically accurate, and uh, it's not, it's not, um, it's not a, it's not a good option. So the Gemara says, okay, Lishia said Mekaimi Akolmitzis. Then say they'll com- they'll keep all the commandments. The answer is that would just imply Mashemitzitzis. That would imply that they don't have to keep all six thirteen. Maybe that implies that they're just going to keep the mitzvahs. Dumer Mar mitzvahs can I call mitzvahs too? We know that the mitzvahs is equivalent to all the all the mitzvahs in the Torah. So Moshe Rabbeinu was not afraid of them reinterpreting the Torah in their oath, but he was afraid of them playing games. What's the game? They accepted to keep all the mitzvahs, and tzitzis is equal to all the mitzvahs, so they're just going to keep the mitzvah tzitzis. Velisha yasayin the mekayim Torah. So why don't they say that they're going to keep the Torah? The answer is Masha Torah Torah is one; it's singular. It implies the written Torah, not the oral Torah. Velisha yasayin the mekayim Torahis. Then say, okay, they should just swear they're going to keep Torahs, both Torahs. So the answer is. Torah just implies the laws of, so that could be the laws of the carbon chatas, the laws of the carbon asham, laws of the carbon mincha. It would not imply that they have to keep all 613.
So the Gemara says, okay, the Lashavi Yosem the Kaiba Torah and Mitzvah say Torah and Mitzvah. Torah and Mitzvahs. The answer is Torah is Masha, Torah is Amincha, Mitzvahs Masha, Mitzvahs Amelach. No good, because then it implies Karbanas and the commandments of a king. It does not imply 613. Say all the entire Torah. The answer is Torah Kula Masha Vedizara. That just implies that they won't do idolatry, because idolatry is as negative as the entire Torah. That anyone who who renounces idolatry, it's like you kept the whole Torah. So we're not implying that they're actually going to keep the Torah. It just implies that they won't do idolatry. So the Samara says, okay, Why not just say that they'll keep Avodazara and the entire Torah? That would imply all 613. Or speak it out. Make them swear they're going to keep all 613. If you're not concerned about them reinterpreting the Torah in their own way, in the oath, then just say, make them swear they're going to keep all 613. The answer is, The answer is, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted an easier thing. It's easier for him to say to Klal Yisrael, before you swear, make sure that you understand that you're keeping my words as opposed to doing 613. He could have, but it's more complicated. He chose a much easier approach. Okay, the next example in the Mishnah of an exaggerated, um, exaggerated oath, which when I did the Mishnah, I mentioned, it's not just exaggerated, it's not possible. It's not, is that he said a snake, I, I, my bread is also to me, unless I saw a snake, um, a snake like an olive press. Now, the Gemara at first thinks that it's the size of an olive press, and the reason why it's exaggerated is because no snakes are as big as an olive press. The problem is there were very, very large anacondas. There were very large snakes historically. So what, why is that exaggeration? Maybe he meant it. So the Gemara says, Veloy, there's no snakes the size of an olive press. The beam of an olive press. There was a certain snake in the times of Shumalga. They threw 13 uh, things of hay. And he swallowed them. That's how big the snake was. So there were snakes large enough to be the beams of an olive press. So Shmuel says he wasn't saying the snake was large like an olive press. It was that it was ridged in the back. It had ridges on the back like the beam of an olive press. So the Gemara says, Aren't all snakes ridged? The answer is, He means ridges on the back. Snakes are regularly, uh, generally have ridges on their throat. They have ridges on the throat. They don't have ridges on their back. So what he was saying was an impossibility. So it was clearly an exaggeration. So the Gemara says, Then why doesn't the Mishnah say that? Why does the Mishnah have to do with an olive press? Just say, snake that has ridges. Why do you have to say, a snake like an alf press, an alf press has ridges, so a snake like ridges. Say, snake that has ridges. The answer is, the Gemara is telling us something completely incidental, and that is, Olive presses have to have ridges on it. What is the Negea? It's Negea for business. If you tell someone I'd like to buy an olive press from you, and then they get it, and it doesn't have ridges on it, then that's a mekachtos. Then it's it's a, it's a, it's a full pretense, and you, you, the, the sale is null and void. To Kairis Beisabad Gavitarif, to tell you that the beams of an olive press have to have ridges, regarding what practical application, for business. It's to tell you that if you buy uh, beams from an olive press from your friend and it doesn't have ridges, that that's tantamount to having the sale of null and void. Go to the next page, the Mishnah. Nidre Shigogos. The Mishnah then describes there are certain Nidarim that are null and void, and that's um, uh, Shigogos, accidental Nidarim. What does that mean? The case basically is Nidarim that the person legitimately, he made a Nedar that he forgot. He didn't mean to break the Nedar. He didn't mean to make a false nether. He just posh forgot. What's an example? A person says, such a, you know, this item, this bread is also to me if I didn't eat or drink all day. And he thought he didn't eat or drink and then he realized, oh, I had that cup of coffee. That's a shkaga. It was a mistake. 
That's an example where he is not considered breaking a nether because the nether was mamish, it was mamish a mistake. Shani shani soisa, second example, if a person says, this bread is also to me, if I eat or drink later today, at the time he didn't plan on eating, and then he accidentally ate and drank, he forgot, that's considered nidre shgogos. A third example, if he says, my wife is also to me, because he heard that she stole my purse, or she hit my son. And then he finds out that it's not true. So that was, it was mamish a mistake. Okay, fourth example, and this is interesting. He sees a group of people eating his figs. He thinks they're stealing. He says, they're all usher, they're usher like a carbon. I'm not benefiting from these people. And then he finds out, he realized that amongst the group was his father and his brother. So obviously, he that's a mistake. He didn't intend to ask his father and his brother. He thought the other people were taking it, uh, stealing his figs. He didn't realize his father and his brother was, let's say, ten people eating. One of them was his father and his brother, so he definitely didn't intend for them. So, so the halacha is... And others were with him, so what's the status? Beishamai says that we sort of split up the oath into two parts. The oath is valid for the rest of the people, but for them it's a nidrish gag. Beisilla says no. Beisilla says once a nether is partially allowed, it's entirely allowed. And therefore, since the nether is a shkaga regarding the brother and the father, so to the nether is a shkaga regarding the others as well. Let's start the Gemara Tano Kishem Shenidrish Gagas Mutarim, just like um Nidrish Gagas, a neder that was a mistaken neder is not a problem. Kach Shvuish Gagas Mutar, so too with a Shvua. If you have a Shvua that you make under false pretenses is a mistake, it's also not a valid Shvua. What's an example of Shush Gagan? This is a bigger Chiddush. You could have just said the exact same case in the Mishnah, but the Gemara wanted to get bigger Chiddush. It's a story of Kanaravasi. The case was the Ravami and Ravasi, Rav Kana and Ravasi were arguing about what Rav said in Shir. And it got to the point where Rav Kana said, I swear, Shvua, that this is what he said. And Ravasi said, I swear, he said this. Now, one of them is right, one of them is wrong. They both at the time were convinced that they were right. They weren't doing this on purpose. They legitimately thought what they were saying correct. That's called the Nidrish Shvua Shkaga. And even if they're proven that one of them is correct and one of them is not correct, they do not have to bring a carbon. Okay, so you had in the Mishnah that if, in the person with the with the figs, that if he said that they're also to me, and then he finds out that his brother and his father were there, so definitely regarding the brother and the father, it's a shkaga, and it's null and void regarding the brother and the father. The question is, what about for the other people? Basilo says, once a nether is is hutamiksasa once it's null and void partially, it's null and void entirely, and Beis Shami says no. So the Gemara says a similar shayla. Tanan Hasim is a Mishnah, Later on, let's say a person said, I'm not going to eat bread for a year. Now, the problem is, during the weekday, that's fully acceptable. What about Shabbos? You got to make Kiddush, you have to have Suda. So we make a Pesach, we go over to the person, and we, you know, part of Hatar Zadarim is you, you, you ask him questions, you say, Had you known, you know, would you have done this? So you ask the guy, Had you known when you made the Neder that you would be outlawing Shabbos and Yom Tov, would you have made the Neder? Now, and if he says, no, I would not, then that's, it's, it's Atar Sadarm. Now the question is, when you're Matar Nether in such a situation, is it entirely null and void, or just null and void for Shabbos and Yom Tov? Berishana, originally, the Chacham said, that this Nether is only Hatara, you only do Atar Sadarm for Shabbos and Yom Tov. So Shabbos and Yom Tov, you can eat bread. The rest of the week, you're not allowed to eat bread. 
similar to Beishamai, Achabar Rabakiva Lima, neither Shahutam Ksasahutakul until Rabakiva said, once a nether is partially motor, it's entirely motor. Now the truth is it's not exactly similar to our Mishnah because the case of our Mishnah, he definitely did not intend to make the nether regarding the father and the brother. That's why it's a nether shkaga. So therefore there's more room to say that once it's once it's partially null, it's entirely null and void. This case he made a nether. He could have actually intended to outlaw bread on Shabbos also. That's why you have to do Atar Sadarim. So it's not exactly comparable. But you have a machlaikas in our Mishnah between Bisham and Beshilel. When you have a nether, Shehutim Miksasa, in the case of the father and brother, um, again, he says, Kulcha Masurim, they're all Asa to me, and he realized the father and brother are there. So we said, so Bisham says that the, the, the nether is still intact for the others. And Basil said it's null and void entirely. So says the Gemara, Amar Rabbah. We'll go Rabbah's opinion, then tomorrow we'll do Rabbah's opinion. Amar Rabbah, the Kuli Alma, both Basham and Basil agree. Call Hechel to Omar. You see, there's two ways he could have, let's say had he known that his father and his brother were amongst the group, he definitely would not have asked his father and brother. The question is, what could he have said? There would have been two versions. He said, all of you are asr. Now he could have said, he could have said that, where he kept the same syntax together. He would have just added a caveat. Or he could have actually rewritten the entire Shavuah. He wouldn't have said, Kulcha Masurim. He would have said, This person's Aser, this person's Aser, this person's Aser, not my father. So there's two different ways that he could have rewritten it. So says Rabbah, whether, whether um, there's a major halachic distinction as to what, if you would ask him what he was going to say, that, that makes a difference. Rabbah explains, If he would have said, had I known that my father was amongst the people eating the figs, I would have said, I would have kept that together. I would have kept the same lotion. I would just say, I would have added that caveat. In such a situation, even Beishamah and Beisil both agree that the nether is still partially intact. Meaning, although Beisil says that a nether that's partially void is entirely void, that's only when he would have rewritten the syntax. But if he would have kept the lotion together, then, then it's not partially void. We don't look at it as partially void. So if he would have kept the same lotion of Kolcha Masurim, he would have just have add Chutz Abba, then it would have been, um, then it's still, even Basil would agree that it's partially intact. Is if he would have said, If I knew my father was amongst them, I would have not used the lotion of Kolcha Masurim. I would have said, that's when Basil says, because you would have changed the Lashon, then it's considered the entire original nether is null partially, and once it's null partially, it's null and void entirely. That's Rabbah's opinion, and tomorrow we'll take care of Rabbah's opinion.